Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is New to Two. Hello everybody, I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me on this fine evening, Nicole Davis, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm I'm grappling with um, some memories that got dredged up and feeling lots of feeling lots of feelings about this movie in ways I hadn't anticipated, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, this was your pick, and it was a pick. Uh, since it's a new to two, that means myself and our other wonderful co-host David Luzader have not seen it before. David, how are you? I'm doing well. It's been a long day, been an interesting day, and I'm ready to cap it all off uh, with the discussion of this film. Yes, this film is called Eighth Grade. It was a pick by Nicole again, because David and I have not seen it before. Nicole's bringing it to the table. Before we discuss it, we do want to announce next week's movie. It is a Netflix roulette week. That means we spun the wheel and Netflix spat something back out at us. And we're getting an American tale, which I have not seen before, but by accounts of both my co-hosts, there is apparently singing. So, yes, there is. We're going to watch an American tale, T-A-I-L, because I didn't know what that was until I had to look it up. So, I'm assuming I'm the oddball out here. I feel like people know what this movie is. Yeah, but I think think that's not... We'll get into Don Bluth movies next week, but I think for people of your generation, it's not unusual to not know Don Bluth. Well, the good news is that there is a 10 a.m. showing of this movie Wednesday, August 14th at a theater near me. So I'm sure that will just be packed to the gills. All righty. Well, we are watching eighth grade from 20. It might be, right? It's summertime for some kids. Uh, Mm -hmm. This movie came out in 2018, directed by Bo Burnham. Uh, 13-year-old Kayla Day makes her YouTube videos every day full of wisdom and tips about being yourself. But at school, she's an introvert with no real friends. She escapes into her phone whenever she can. Can she make it through the last week of eighth grade and learn to follow her own advice? Nicole, why did you pick eighth grade for a uh, new to two pick to bring to David and myself? Um, I was very curious to see how you two in particular would react to it as um, both as men and as men from a younger generation than mine who is closer to the growing up in the social media age uh, because I related strongly to this movie in the you know I I had some similar experiences which we can talk about later um, in being a 13 year old girl and completely new girls just like Kayla Day um but you know, I grew up in a, a different world, a different way of relating to people. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think the biggest reason, though, is just that the writing is so sharp and it captures the awkwardness of being a teenager so well. 
It captures the relationship you have with your parents. It captures the relationships that you have with, uh, you know, your crush at school or, you know, the the quote unquote mean girls at school who aren't terribly mean, but also aren't terribly nice either. Um, And what that how that translates nowadays. And it's just it's so keenly. Uh, it's so trite to say it's so keenly observed. That's something people love to put in reviews. <laughs> but it really does seem like he was watching things very, very closely and taking detailed notes and then just wrote this movie almost as if he was watching someone's life. Uh, I will say, I uh, apparently, Bo Burnham was very meticulous in the scripting of this movie even to the like the ums and the likes oh yes yeah i actually found the script on script on the studio's website and every like and uh and well and you know is written into the script which is impressive and obsessive yeah and i was gonna ask about that because i wasn't sure if he told a bunch of preteens to just talk like preteens i was curious if that was almost ad hoc and it was just how they spoke but i guess that was in the script no elsie fisher does such a remarkable job is is so incredibly natural in this role yeah and and elsie fisher was cast because the way that bo burnham says it is that he had a lot of confident kids coming in acting shy where what he got with Elsie Fisher in the audition was her acting, or her being someone who is shy, acting confident, which is exactly what he wanted for the character of Kayla. Interesting. All right. That, that adds a lot of context because, again, my filters are really going off at all of the likes and the ums. Everyone does I, it, <laughs> myself included. Everybody on this podcast has done it. But Yes, we do. Oh, my God. I do want to just Every quick, other word. I, real quick, I think that maybe for context of discussing this film, it might be good for us to just kind of say where we are all in relation to being in eighth grade. Just <laughs> to get people, I, you know, I, we don't have to talk about it in real specific terms. People don't want to, but just like myself to say, I am almost two decades away from being an eighth grader. You know, you talked about Nicole, us being closer to being in that social media age. For me, social media in middle school was live journal had started being a thing. MySpace was happening, but that was it for, for, for my generation. Good old millennials out there. It didn't really hit hard until late into high school. Interesting. Predate. Uh, all of those things by quite a bit. It's been, <laughs> let's just say, more than three decades since eighth grade for me. And I grew up in the era of the Apple II and playing Zork on the computer. <laughs> and I think they were, as I was leaving high school, they were just coming out with the first Macs that looked like a small black and white TV with like a 10-inch screen. So actually sure. less than that even, where it was just like, a, a sort of beige box with a little eight inch screen on it. So, wow. Um, 
And so that's where I come from in terms of social media. And Brett, just a couple of weeks ago, graduated eighth grade. And, and <laughs> here uh, we are. Right. Yeah. I just still have my little graduation cap, which I never got in eighth grade. They had a whole ceremony, man. Mine was just kicking your ass out the door. It's time to go to high school and move in the next crowd yeah, of monsters. Mine too. There was no moving on ceremony. Or anything. Yeah. I know. I had a graduation. Oh yeah. Brett, Brett is less than a decade out from no, eighth grade. I, I, I think I'm a, I'm about equal a decade out because if you're between 13 uh, and 14 and I'm almost 24, yeah. then okay. I'm yeah, about a decade yeah, yeah, out. You're a decade out. And yep. for me, tech wise, when I was in middle school slash early high school was the time that Facebook had become more of a entity of everyone has this and not just the walled garden of basically Ivy league schools (laughs) where it got started. Yeah. It, it, Facebook started with college, then seeped its way into high school and then went everywhere. Exactly. And so for me, my, you know, I remember creating a Facebook account in eighth grade. I think that was literally right around this time. And then Instagram, I never had Snapchat throughout all of high school. Instagram kind of became a, a, an entity toward the end of my high school years. Yeah. Apparently the, this was originally Bo Burnham was going to use Facebook and then Elsie Fisher's like, uh, nobody my age uses Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. On Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> and interestingly yeah, no twitter involved no twitter involved twitter's just like weird twitter's entity in like the a, middle <laughs> it's 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 twitter is the millennial space like i love twitter twitter's my favorite yeah twitter's where i spend maybe a little bit too much time some days i, ha- <laughs> I have to take i have to take vacations from twitter yeah, yeah it can get very toxic yeah yeah Oh, it can. It can. So let's delve into some of our discussion topics then as we've laid the groundwork here a little bit. It's oh, just the, just the Facebook thing. I, a line I love is when <laughs> Kayla was walking up to uh, the mom and, and Kennedy and, and she's like, well, she'll send you an invite on Facebook. And there's the line of nobody's on Facebook anymore, mom. and it's so true that the no and the mom of course is the one that is thinking she's going to send the invite right right? it's going to be on facebook oh all the facebook invites i get to events are for like second year old birthday parties (laughs) (laughs) or family junctions uh Guys, just real quick before we really get into it, Kennedy's mom had the hots for Kayla's dad, right? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. She was looking all over for him. Yeah. Hundred okay, percent. Cool. There's no sign of Kennedy's dad. No, no. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into some of these discussion topics. It's so easy to know you're giving good advice, but it's so hard to follow it. Uh, you know, she lives this life on YouTube with five viewers, six viewers, no viewers on all these videos. I think the most was seven that right? we saw. Where she's giving all this advice. And I bet her dad was like four of those. Oh, of yeah. course, of course. Though part of me also wonders if it was her dad, would he have reached out to her a little more? Because she does things where she'll say, mm-hmm. I invited all these kids to my house for a party and my parent made me invite the awkward kid, which is what happens to her with, with Kennedy's mom. And right. Yeah. It turned out it was great because the awkward kid came out of their shell and they weren't awkward after all. They ended up being a pretty cool person. And that's what she wants to be at this party that she gets invited to. But part of me wonders if the dad was watching this, that'd be, that'd be a little bit of a red flag to me as a parent. Was that her doing that, telling that story after the party and putting this spin on it? 
where she was the awkward, quiet one? Oh, yeah. No, she definitely mm-hmm. took okay. that story and made it as if she were, if it were, it made it as if it was from Kennedy's point of view. Right. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. All right. I'm, okay. Just yeah, to make just, sure I didn't hallucinate that one. To make her point of how how Kennedy should have been more open and, you know, yeah. would have learned what a great person she was. And that she has, Kennedy. as incredibly rambly and god bless her heart it's so all over the place her advice in these videos is fairly sound as nicole puts it here in our docket yeah but it's, it is. it's hard to follow and when, when you you know it's good for you but it's not always the easiest thing to do and this movie does a great job with that especially with minute things because i remember being the awkward kid that gets invited to the party doesn't really want to get in the pool, doesn't really want to talk with everybody, doesn't really feel comfortable with it. Everyone is already interacting with each other. They have their own cliques. They have their own inside jokes and relationships. And where do you just step into that? I struggle with that as an adult still. And ooh, you feel it for her in this movie. Yeah, the, the scene when she arrives at that party and then walks outside and it's just this tracking shot on her. Uh, first yeah. of all, so she does such a great job of physicality. I just yes. so impressed by her body acting in this movie. She inhabits Kayla. You get so much just watching the way that she walks. Oh yeah. Uh, she has that defensive hunch. Yes. The hunch. <laughs> then as she's walking down to the pool, that the shot just kind of tracks her and you're with her experiencing this. And it's hard. It is just awkward. You feel that isolation with her where she's like moving through kind of like a, like a ghost, you know, nobody's really noticing or caring that she's there, but she's the one we're there with. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting too, because, and this is perhaps a larger discussion to have about being the odd one out in today's culture for kids, but this isn't the weird, awkward kid of uh, the 80s and 90s and 70s movies of they have a weird hobby and they do really creepy things. And she's incredibly normal, but she's just not as socially adept as some of her peers, which makes her this loner. And it's it's a weird thing to me because it almost seems like the the space and the the archetype of that loner has changed over the years. Yeah, she's in this in-between space. Right. Gabe is all the way there. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe is all the way in the nerd space. Yeah. yeah. And, Ga- and Gabe and is the person who breaks that ghost-like trance when he's the only person at the party who will come and talk to her. Mm-hmm. Right. And this, you, I think this also shows a break of the way that we portray those characters in films because this movie's been compared a lot to John Hughes movies where John Hughes' characters are typically, in a way, broad stroke caricatures sometimes, especially in The Breakfast Club, right? Those are those are those kids inhabiting every stereotype of their predetermined clique sort of thing. Where this movie is like, we're going to deal with so, sort of some of the same ideas, but just get really realistic with it in kind of uncomfortable ways. 
And oh boy, is it uncomfortable. Uh, David put in our docket, does this remind you of your own eighth grade experience at all? And we all went through slightly different times in eighth grade, so I'd be curious to know the responses to this. But oh, this was every bit as awkward as my eighth grade experience. I related with her on a spiritual level. I, I was exactly like her when I got invited to stuff. Yeah, that was kind of my seventh grade year was a lot like her eighth grade I hated eighth grade, hated it so much. I was awkward and weird, still weird, still kind of awkward, but rocking it. But uh, in a ch- yes, I was going to say, but in a charming way. In, in a charming way. I was just, I was just weird and awkward and kind of bullied back then. And I kind of maybe wish at times that I was as invisible as she was, but also at the same time, hated how invisible people could make you feel in that time. So, yeah, I get it. And I don't like that I was exposed to this again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. It was a good movie. Well, well David, you bring up I an interesting point. I didn't realize this would be so traumatic. No, no. And, and I want to go back to also getting Nicole's eighth grade experience, but I want to bring this up before I forget it. Um, David, you mentioned, you know, the ability for make to, for these kids to make you feel invisible. And that was an interesting aspect of modern bullying, if you can call it bullying, in this movie with girls like Kennedy and her little clique, because as Nicole said earlier, they're not necessarily, they're not egregiously mean to her, but they are so good at devaluing her and, and making her, you know, self-worth just plummet by ignoring her. And it's like a totally Mm -hmm. different style of, well, it's not just ignoring. Yeah. It's being dismissive. dismissive. Yes. Yes dismissive exactly like she kayla gives kennedy a note to thank her for inviting her to her party even though she knows full well that kennedy never would have invited her if it weren't for her mom pushing her to do it um so she gives the note and she's talking to her and she's awkward and kennedy barely looks up from her phone and when she does she has this look on her face like what do you there is a bug talking to me why <laughs> yeah so yeah i think it's it's one version i don't think that all bullying in this day and age is like i think there's some very terrible cyber bullying i think this is this is a form though of bullying where yeah you when your entire life your meaning is is so much displayed on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, stuff like that. When you are nothing in those places, in a way, you are nothing anywhere. So, Nicole, your your eighth grade experience, let's dial back to before this stuff was around. <laughs> yes, let's talk um, about your trauma. <laughs> oh, God. But, but you're, the, you're, you're the only woman on the panel. I'd be curious, did you, were girls like this even, you know, when you were in eighth grade? Is this something that is just part of young girls being mean to each other because <laughs> like young young boys are mean to each other in a whole different way no uh mine was more actively mean uh <laughs> like i said eighth grade for me was actually okay i i made friends at the beginning of eighth grade i found this group of other painfully geeky people and we all sort of banded together for safety um <laughs> there's safety in numbers <laughs> Yes. And we, we, you know, and we came to like each other, at least somewhat for, for a lot of us and had some of the same interests. And so it was fine. But seventh grade, I had no friends. Um, and it was not for 
being unconfident. It was almost like I was too confident. Like sixth grade, I got all A's and was super confident in myself. You and got a new haircut, new, looking great. Right, exactly. You know, knew right from wrong, enjoyed school, had a good time there, was enthusiastic. And seventh grade, for some reason, this one popular girl and her clique decided that they were going to be nasty to me and try to make me feel horrible every damn day. And, you know, the, the advice that I got for the most part was just, just ignore it and they'll stop, which is not true. Um, so... <laughs> I ignored it for the most part, but because they had focused on me, everybody else was kind of like, ooh, we better not, you know, get in the radius of this or we might get sucked into it too. So, yeah, that's one thing that uh, I don't think people really quite realize about bullying if they weren't bullied is like when you start getting bullied or have people coming at you, other people will then avoid you because they don't want to also get bullied. <laughs> Yeah, they don't want to catch the spatter off of you. And I had a friend. I had a friend that was really heavily bullied, and there are times like when it like I'm not proud of it, but you know, survival of the fittest. It gets real Darwinian uh, in eighth grade. I I wasn't always by his side when that stuff was happening, and it's like there were times where like I kind of had that same thought of like, uh, you know, am I gonna get the splash of of this? Am I gonna get? antagonized in the way he unfortunately is because we hang out together. I feel bad thinking that now, but then I was a child. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you looking back, you're like, Oh my God, you know, oh, I should have stood by I my friend. Right. If, right. Yeah. You know, if, if only I had stood up to her, if only I had said something to the administration of the school, if only I had, and it's just, it's a whole the world of teenagers is its own separate world. It's yes. like it it's like it's in its own box and that box is inside the bigger box of like the world with adults and your parents and administrators and whatever in it, but there's that box inside that just has the kids in it. And that was the box I was in and I didn't feel like I should go outside like I could go outside of that box to tell anybody what was going on. So mm-hmm. I was miserable my entire seventh grade year. I like to the point where I was on the verge of self-harm in a couple of, uh, on a couple of occasions. And there was one point where I almost actually hit this girl, but didn't because I didn't want to get suspended from school for fighting. Cause I was good at two shoes, uh, <laughs> which was part of the problem. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, mine was a much more active form of bullying but i i think i would have been i i could have ended up as withdrawn as kayla is if i were ignored because i'm an extrovert and i get energy from being with and interacting with people and not getting to interact with people every day really took a lot out of me You know, I had to pull all that energy myself to get through this day where people were nasty to me all the time and, you know, schoolwork was getting harder and I wasn't getting all A's anymore. And, you know, oh, God, I wasn't the 
the genius that people had told me I was before, and it's it's all a lie. So yeah, so, <laughs> so slightly different experience. <laughs> I wasn't that shy. I just wasn't my outgoingness wasn't accepted. It got kind of deflected. So. So for you, Nicole, why don't we go outside of that box then? Because you have also yeah. been outside of that box in a, in a unique position that neither myself nor David have been. You've now had two sons go through this. So I have. What was it like being on the dad side of this uh, in terms of like, you know, the only parental figure we see in this movie significantly is the dad. Uh, and no, Nicole, is, as a father. No, no. Uh, I just mean right. uh, you, you can, as a single father. You can, you can relate to her, and now you can now you can relate to him. I'm curious what your thoughts are as someone who has seen, you know, again, two sons go through this. This era. right. Well, I mean, this is this is what I meant by like all the feels in like unexpected ways. Like this movie, I almost equally felt my empathy with. Kayla and my empathy with her dad because I've I've watched my kids one of them they're 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 both geeky children um but that's a more acceptable thing now mm-hmm. um one of them was a little um unusual and started out having problems with social cues so he was in like a therapy group at school um, to learn that sort of thing. He still has very black and white thinking sometimes, but he's got this, you know, f- fair sized and very tight friend group now. Um, and the younger one is, a, he's a bit older than Kayla and he has, he's he's made some friends, but he is very different. Um not bad different just very smart but has very different interests than a lot of the other kids at school and a lot of frankly a lot of the other kids at school can't keep up with him um so he finds school kind of a slog because they they tend to gear it toward bringing the kids at the bottom up rather than giving things to the kids at the top to help them fly you know, so I've he's he's doing a lot better now. But there was a time when he was really, really struggling, like really struggling. And as a parent to watch your kids struggle and, you know, be doing all the things that the books tell you are the right things to do and the Internet tells you are the right things to do and the teachers you talk to tell you are the right things to do. And it still doesn't work to make your kid feel better is one of the worst feelings in the world is to watch your kid be miserable and not be able to do anything about it. Um, so, I mean, I've, I felt for that dad. Yeah, I tries. felt for that dad. And I, I do want to talk about the, the conversation at the near the end of the movie. Um, at some point, I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but the really hoping that his kid's going to be all right. And him just, he's just as much as she will let him. And that's what I'm doing with my kids. I am being there as much as they will let me be there, but they're trying to build their own independent lives as well. 
So it's so, a, oh god, it's so hard. <laughs> To talk of it about the dad, the dad you is... you love this kid more than... You love your kid more right. than anything else on the planet. Mm-hmm. More than you love yourself. More than you love cheesecake. <laughs> more than you love, you know, the Avengers or boobs or whiskey or whatever. More than anything. More than your own parents. More than your siblings. You love your kids more than anything. If you're the average parent. Right. <laughs> Let's say it's just, oh, it's the worst to feel helpless to help your kid. And I think I think this actor, Josh Hamilton, who plays her father, does a wonderful job with this because he's 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 the pinnacle of awkward dad. First of all, he's really awkward. Oh, yeah. But he has such a heart for his daughter. Put on a shirt when you go to bed, dad. I know, right? He has such a heart. That was so that was so dad. So dad. But he has such a heart for his daughter to not break at her being a, t- a typical teenager to him and especially because it's it's alluded to very early in the movie that the mom's not around i thought she might have yeah. died for a while but then it says that she left and we don't know what those circumstances are it doesn't really matter she left like very no. early she left very young right um when the uh when the kid was Elsie must have been young. a baby because he's talking about like i was worried when she left but i got to see your first words right right yeah like her first i think he says like first steps even too yeah yeah so so he's been dealing with this for a long time and i think one thing this movie does really well is yes elsie is the character elsie elsie's the actor actress yeah kayla kayla Kayla, (laughs) um is sympathetic more so than any of the other children because she does have a kind heart. She's not being mean to kids like Kennedy is. She's genuinely trying. And we, we see this insight in her that is really human and cute and, and really moving, but she's still not immune to being a jackass teenager <laughs> because she is I don't know she's not that bad it's just that her dad is really embarrassing mm, I would I not have gotten that far that embarrassing I Nicole, No he isn't but from the teenage perspective Well I mean except for is... except for the and we'll let we'll let Brett talk about his experiences <laughs> with being stalked by a parent in a sec <laughs> Oh yes, but it's like when he when he like walks into a room and she chucks her phone onto the other side of the room, <laughs> right? Which is the most suspicious thing, but also the like, perfect teenage brain reaction. Well, I will say uh, of anything, but he's just like, yeah. uh, okay, that's you being a teenager. No, but but she she is incredibly. There are times when her rudeness is it's definitely teenage awkwardness. You know, she's he's driving into to the to Kennedy's house and. He, he she he can't be quiet, but he can't not be quiet, but he can't not look at her. He just has to not be awkward, but be quiet. Um, and that's funny. But I'm t- I'm more talking about when they're having dinner together, and she's on the phone, and she's got the headphones in, and she's playing games, and he's trying to have a conversation. Where my phone would have been gone halfway through that. I don't. He ha- I think he has more patience than than most parents would for. A kid doing that. I definitely wouldn't have gotten away with that. Um, well, it's Friday. It's Friday. She can do whatever she wants on Friday. Oh, okay. I guess that's part of it, right? Is that he's kind of giving her some slack because it's Friday. All right. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> by the way, just anecdotally, I want just complete anecdote. Claire and I, my fiance, are driving 
to the car wash this evening and we roll windows rolled down and this dad standing on the sidewalk with his kid, definitely in middle school in a baseball outfit. They're clearly just coming from practice. And he's like, do you really want to live like this? You are not going to get up at, at, you know, you are not going to be able to get up if I let you stay up till three in the morning. And they're having this big fight over the fact that the kid wants to stay up till three in the morning. This is an eternal struggle for every parent is my point. Um, And I found that incredibly amusing after just watching this movie. But back to me, my mom did stalk me Um, calling you out, mom. I know you listen (laughs) to the podcast. There were several times of my youth. uh, First time biking the school, and the really incredibly obvious bright green Camry that was driving slowly behind me, like holding up traffic. Like I, like I look behind me and there's cars beeping because they're trying to get around this Camry. And my mom's behind the driver's seat. She might as well be wearing like a mustache and like a fake hat or something like that. Both hands like gripping the wheel. Trench for, coat, fedora. Right. Both hands gripping the wheel for dear life because she's one of those people who's never driven with one hand. She always looks like she's about, she's ready. She's ready. Like, it should something come out in front of the car or come around her, she is a very prepared driver. I love you, Mom. Should this is all good fun. Should a cow fall randomly out of the sky, she will be she's ready. ready to deal with it. Right. But this also meant her stalking me several times when I was like first learning how to bike to school. I think she did it once like in this movie where he goes and he follows her at the uh, the mall. I'm, I think mall? my mom might have done yes. that once or twice. Well, my mom email in. Mom, email hi at mgrpodcast.com. <laughs> what other times you might have stalked me? Maybe I didn't know. Maybe she was better. Do you really want our first email to be from your mom? <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't been yet, to be perfectly honest. Love it. Uh, Nicole, have you, have you stalked your children No, at all? I have not. I just... You have my, more self-control my than my mom? actually asked me this. I watched this with my 14-year-old, and he looked at, you know, during the mall scene, he looked at me as like, if you ever followed me somewhere <laughs> when I went out with my friends, I'm like, no, I just sat at home and was terrified that something bad was going to happen to you like a normal parent would. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think it's really, I think partially for the dad, it's like, there's a little bit of like the worry, but there's also a little bit of like, Oh, thank God she's going out to hang out with friends. I think yes. He's like, curious to see what it looks like right, because he's never exactly. seen her do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like my kids got a bunch of friends who I've never met and might never. And if you got together with them, I would be curious and I would want to go see who they were. But I'm not gonna because <laughs> I don't want my kid to think I'm a psycho. David, do you um, want to throw your but... parents under the bus? Did they ever fight? Did they ever follow you? I don't have time to unpack my emotional trauma <laughs> any more than this movie's making me. So no, But I empathize with the dad, you know, and I empathize with your mom, Brett, in that it's not that she didn't trust you. It's that she, she didn't, didn't trust, trust the world. Other people. Oh yeah. yeah. No, this was the single cars. mom. This was a single mom that was like, like you said, you know, you said that, you know, your kid is the most important thing to you. And yeah. the single mom with that on top of that is like, that amplified times 10. I will follow you down the street, yes. you know? So, no, I forgive you, mom. It's okay. Uh, so <laughs> She wasn't asking for, she's like, what? Why would you forgive me? Everything I did was completely right. correct. She, she just stops mid-email. Right. <laughs> like, 
All right. Um, this is what a good mother does. Right. <laughs> that woman you podcast with is some sort of barbarian that she doesn't go check on my shoulder. <laughs> All of my friends do it. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. one one scene that I really wish that the dad had been following, and maybe he would have if he hadn't gotten caught, is the scene <sighs> with... What's his name? I, I don't even care to remember his name. Riley, I think. No, Riley's the boy that she's into at school, isn't no, it? No, that's... No, that's, that's Aiden. Aiden. No, that's oh, Aiden, the beefcake Aiden. Okay. Yeah, that was so like, Riley does Oprah want to be attracted to this eighth grade boy? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> no, I get it. They captured... He captured that perfectly, like that opening shot where Aiden wins the Best Eyes Award. Oh, as soon as I see it, I was like, yeah, he deserves and it. And he's got... Yeah, he's got kind of this Leonardo DiCaprio thing going on. But yeah. he also has the eighth grade boy um, when thing going on. he was a kid, on. he's got sort of a similar... I, I, could, I could write a dissertation on the character of Aiden. <laughs> how I want to drop... Oh, he's a horrible him. person. I'm not yeah. going oh, to argue with that. Him but chewing I, his I totally gum. see why she, would, why she would have a crush on him. I get it. Oh, her jaw drops to the so. floor every single time he passes by. Yeah. Even when he's sticking <laughs> his own gum up his nose. Oh, oh God, that's so awful. But anyway, the scene with that Riley that would have lost me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the scene with Riley. Riley is is an older boy that's already in high school, and he's one of the boys that's with her when she goes out with friends at the mall when her dad's stalking her, and she catches him and the sends wonderful her home. Olivia oh, yeah, invites her out. The high school girl that she was shadowing. Right, she does a high school shadowing, which we'll get around to here. Um, but. She actually makes a very good friend, you know, and I was worried about that. I was really worried that this was going to be something weird where this high schooler was going to do like a something. Joke to- yeah, I was really worried that it was going to be like a joke of like, oh, look, I made the the nerdy kid think I'm her best friend. I was really worried about that. Or like, I, th- I thought like maybe a little bit later on, like Olivia would turn on her like, God, you're weird and annoying. Right. And, and it all never that happened. Stuff. Olivia was perfectly pleasant. In fact, yeah. Uh, I just wish Olivia hadn't left the car because Riley's driving both of them home and Olivia <laughs> leaves the car and then Riley parks like on the side of the road where yeah <laughs> and uh yeah. gets in the back seat and and ensues the most Kayla's uncomfortable scene ever yeah yeah Kayla's in the back and uh Riley Gets in the backseat with her since nobody seems to want to have to be the one to continue this. And then uh, proceeds to try to get into her pants. Let's just cut right to that chase. Oh, man. And it's indirectly, yeah. Indirectly, right. But through truth and dare, and he takes in his shirt off. Way. And dares her to take her sh- shirt off. And he kind of goes says to no. And he kind of goes to touch her when, he, when, he, when she says no, which is uh, Riley didn't have the consent talk. Um, not in any way, shape, or form. At least no. he he does he does let up. No one gave Riley the consent. Talk. Thank God he lets or up. Or Riley because, didn't care. Or Riley didn't care because, oh, man, I don't know. This would this would have been an entirely different movie if she was assaulted by him. Um, I yeah. don't know if I could have taken. I I I don't know if I could have watched the scene otherwise. And you you don't know well, if it's going to happen. And then after she says no and stands her ground and just says, you know, I'm just I'm not comfortable with doing that yet. I'm not ready. He gaslights her the whole oh, way the, home. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> He's just like, a knight in shining armor. I was doing this for you. I was. It was because like now you're going to have a really bad experience with some random boy. I'm not some random boy that was going to have a really bad experience with. It was going to be right. magic. You met me two whole hours ago. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, mm, what yeah, a the, uh, the, the gaslighting is just the icing on the cake, right? Like it's all horrible. And then him being yeah. like, I was doing this for you. It was, it was, uh, this was all for you. And she's like, what, what, how does a brain think like that? How does yeah, anybody put that together? Yeah. I was watching this in the movie theater and the second he gets in the backseat of the car with her, I'm just sitting there going, Oh no, 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 Cause you no, know no, what's no, coming. No, 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 don't. Yeah. I'm like, no, don't let this happen to her. She's such a sweet girl. Please, 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 please don't let it, you know? And there's this tagged out for what feels like forever. Oh, and then when the car starts moving again, so I'm like, oh, so very God. long. You know, it's still a horrible experience. Yeah, it's, it's messed still up. an awful experience for her. It's messed up. And I'm I hate to say this, but something this or something much like it has happened. I can guarantee you has happened either to a woman you know or a woman oh, she yeah. knows. It is no more than two degrees of separation away yeah. from you. It is, it's happened to someone you know or one of their friends. Oh, if you, yeah, if you, if, if for all the guys listening, if you want to be, you know, if you want an insight into just how real that is, ask your significant other. If if if, if you have a significant other that's a woman, ask you know a really close ask friend your sister, that's a girl. Ask, ask your sister. Ask your mom. Yeah, and all yeah. of them will have a story. Yep somewhat like this it might it'll be different but all of them will or have a story like, yeah i mean or like nicole says like well this thing happened to my friend and the thing that will seem kind of shocking for a lot of people is just how casually they kind of talk about it because of how commonplace it can be it slash is not can be slash it just is and it's when when you start absorbing that into your brain it's messed up and it's heartbreaking it happens to yeah. her when she's 13 like it's just it she never she doesn't oh. have the opportunity to have a good a good, you know a healthy a healthy understanding of like what the opposite sex is in high school just immediately before even getting to high school the first high school boy she meets does this to her that's got to be incredibly damaging i was her i think i don't want to exaggerate but i'm trying to remember when I was a kid and I owned this bikini. I think I was seven or eight. And there was this boy in my apartment complex who was following me around and thought it was hilarious to keep snapping the back of my bikini top. And then it, until it finally came undone. And I was, I was, I kept covered, but I was mortified. One that he, I w it was horrific that he would not leave me alone, that he would not yeah. listen to me saying no and stop and would kept doing it anyway and that I couldn't make it stop by asking him to. And then second that that happened and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a full understanding of all the sexual implications of things, but I knew <laughs> that I was tremendously uncomfortable and I did not want to be exposed in that way. And, you know, this this kid was my age or like maybe a year older, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think he understood what he was doing, but it was so much a part of the culture that he thought it would be a funny thing to do to snap a girl's bikini top that he went ahead and did it despite all my protests. And he thought that was funny. And 
you know, it's, I think it's gotten somewhat better. I hope. It's I mean, I think it's, somewhat better. It's something, I think it's on the road to definitely be. Well, yeah. It's been dragged out into the light. The interesting a thing more. With, with, with Riley in this scene is that he knows. I think he does know. Oh, he. And that's the scary thing about I, him is, is it's almost how far can I test the waters to just see if she'll give in that way no one can say that I like attacked her or anything like that. No one can say this was assault because how far can I just push this to just make her consent, even if it's not full heartedly. And then once he realizes he's not getting that, then he gets back in the driver's seat and guy and gaslights her. He it's, he's pushing to see how far he can go. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I guarantee that Aiden is going to become a Riley. You know, you have (laughs) just, well, he's already asking if the, supposedly he dumped his previous girlfriend because she would not and uh, can we keep our our clean rating if i use the b term if he you know You're if good. he asks if she gives bjs yes. let's say yeah well yeah, yeah it's because the girl wouldn't send news and i mean who knows like yeah. if that's wouldn't the send truth or pictures. if that's some sort of like rumor that got started but kayla internalizes that and it's like if i want aiden all I have to do is that. And it seems like she's willing to do it, which ugh, sucks. She's willing to entertain the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, for the idea anyway. of Aiden. And it's like, that's the kind of world that, that Aiden's going to have. And then when he gets to be Riley's age, it's going to be that same thing. Cause Aiden is going to be a dick <laughs> creep weirdo. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's already learning the, the power of, his looks is that you know girls want to to gain his favor Mm -hmm. and what can he get for it he's already in a transactional mindset yeah that if he doesn't get what he's asking for then he's just going to move on to the next girl right because he doesn't care about kayla right but as soon as she mentions like oh it's my nudes he's like oh what okay here i am Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of a sudden he's fully present, and he, he asks if she gives BJ's, and she's nonplussed for a minute and saved when the lights go oh, on boy. in the classroom. But then she tells him she goes ahead and lies. She says, "Yep, I I do, and I'm totally good at it." Oh, and she <laughs> yeah. goes home, and we got to talk about. It. We got to put this out in the open. She goes home and, and walks into her kitchen, and the entire oh, thing I'm thinking, this please no banana, please no banana, please no banana. Oh, there's a banana, <laughs> and of course there's a banana, and it's just well, no, this is after she looks up the embarrassing video. Sure, right, after she the looks video, up how to perform oral sex. Yep. Yeah. Right. Oh my god! And she can't even finish watching it. That's how not ready she is. Right. She can't right. finish watching. Right. Just, just somebody talking about it. Yeah, talking clinically, mm-hmm. holding up, holding up a dildo, but mm-hmm. like a plastic, you know, like a red see-through, bumpy dildo that is obvious, that is not realistic in any way. No. Um, but like holding this up and talking in just very casually clinical sort of terms she's not being you know sexually lascivious about it she's just being you know like, this here's this facts. and this is that and this is what you do right here's the facts oh yeah and she can't she can't stand to finish watching it no, no. i mean this is this is a girl that is how not ready she is to even think about doing this right which is which is also another interesting concept that is we can't unpack here but all all that kind of stuff both in terms of growing up and sexuality and all those things I think as a result largely of the fact that you have access to that on YouTube, that, you know, all this is so readily accessible, just is hitting you so much younger now. 
you grow up so much quicker when the entire world is available to you at your fingertips. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think for myself growing up, I remember using encyclopedias to find information. That's what I was citing in papers in up through high school. You know, that's, you had to go do the research and now it's like, whatever I want to find at my fingertips, but even beyond that of just like finding that information, that's all great. You have stuff like Tumblr, you have stuff like YouTube, which are just these different holes you can fall in. The former is a dark place, David. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is something that you desperately, that desperately needs to be in schools nowadays are are classes in critical thinking skills. You know, what you see on the internet, what of it is probably true? What if it is probably not true? How can you tell? How can you do your own research to confirm what you see? How to tell a Photoshop. Yeah, how to tell if something is a Photoshop job, how to tell if the onion what you're job. seeing is a common sexual practice or if it's something that they only do in porn pretty much <laughs> and in, yeah. you know, like very, very esoteric parties. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and only, only in certain parts of Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> well, Milwaukee is boring. I'm not surprised. Right. You got to uh, do something to pass the time. You got to do something. <laughs> Email us if you're from Milwaukee. Um, And tell us what weird things you do in the bedroom. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and it's... It's it's mind blowing to me in this movie that this that all these things happen to her and are thrust upon her at such a young age. Because even as someone who's the least removed from her of the, of the panel here, that was not something that was on my radar when I was that young. Uh, I also want to talk about some of our other discussion topics here. Visually, I think she's the most appropriate, like real depiction of a teenager. I think I might have ever seen in film. They they yeah they let her have acne. They let her do her makeup poorly, yeah. and. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. They don't shy away from it. And I think that's a serious problem because I think it's I think it's a, I think it's a harmful thing obviously to have yeah, teenagers in popular culture that look perfect in your media. Well, it's also you don't have most of the time they're not teenagers. They are mid 20 somethings, you know, 30 30 year olds. Uh, yeah. other people who are very often outside of that age Friday range, you know, Night people Lights. who are 20, right. People who are like yeah. 28 playing 16 year olds. Right. Uh, which is just so very egregious. And this, so, you know, we talked a little bit about Kayla's haunch. And as you said, like she has acne, she is, she is a real, I think she's like, I don't think she was exactly 13. I think she may have she was been like 16. Like a year older. Yeah, or like something. a year old or something. When but she, yeah, she's right there in the middle of it and it shows. It pays off as well. Yeah, and it has all these little yeah. She's doing that ignorant thing that that thirteen year old girls do, which is their hair forward, not realizing that from the back they look like they have this weird butt in the back of their head because they've divided their hair so perfectly <laughs> down the middle. Um and there's yeah. no hair hanging down in the back. <laughs> But it's, you know, she's she's doing the makeup. And I thought this was, this is incredibly brave of her as an actress, I thought. And I hate to think this because, but just because of how Hollywood is that she has immortalized her acne years on film in this movie. Because the camera is right up in her face and it is not forgiving and she is not lit to look 
prettier. She is not put in the most flattering light, except when she's taking selfies. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like in the meadow with the sun just so behind her because she knows all the tricks for taking selfie photos. Mm-hmm. But when it's really her, when we're really with her, you get just the way life is unvarnished. And she's, you know, apparently Elsie Fisher wasn't working. She had been taking a couple year hiatus from acting because she wasn't getting hired mm-hmm. because she was a normal teenager with acne. So she had, you know, she's been working since she was a little kid. Um, well, she was. She's done like voice work and Despicable right, Me. She's done right. a bunch of TV shows. Um, so you know that she really kind of lucked into an independent movie, which is where you're, it's like the last bastion of real looking people uh, in yep. films is is the independent scene. A wildly successful indie movie, ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well. So, uh, uh, hold up critically wildly successful su- yeah as I say wildly successful let's qualify that statement yes. heavily <laughs> it, it made 13 million dollars at the box office which hey that's that's good people saw this movie your your grandma did not see this movie no that's true, your, that's true. most of your co-workers did not see this movie that's true and but I also do love the in, in regard to you know making her feel like a real preteen or early teenager all the way down to her looking up makeup tutorials on YouTube to watch while she's getting ready and it just all felt so real, and I'm sure girls do that, and I'm sure that's you know yep. part of oh yeah having a smartphone and and being you know being able to look up that sort of thing because why would you ask your mom or whatever when you can just look it up on YouTube and have it have well, an influence? Can't ask her mom. Well, of, well, of course, right? But you know what I mean. Like I'm sure a lot of girls do that, even with moms. But I mean, that's just a, that's an added dimension to it. Of course, you know, it's yeah. like she kind of has to go to YouTube to learn this thing because she doesn't have any friends to ask, and she doesn't have any older siblings, and she can't ask her mom. So, right. Well, see, now but YouTube is me. always there for her with the with this, you know, quote unquote everyday makeup routine that requires foundation and concealer and yep. moisturizer and mm-hmm. eyeliner and lip gloss and probably lip liner, and like twenty seven products. You know, yep. my you, my makeup routine is like four items and it takes me five minutes and I do it on the train. So. Yeah, YouTube will be there for all of us uh, until they can't make money off of us anymore. <laughs> oh, man. My, my, in the news. My, <laughs> in the news. But my, my girlfriend is, uh, Brett, about your age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, yeah, has looked up a ton of tutorials, even herself. She yeah. has a very extensive skincare routine sure and even you know even having she does have a good relationship with her mother i don't i have yet to meet her mother so i don't know exactly how much they are alike but yeah even for her youtube and the internet have been a place of like finding she talks about she talks to me about the skincare subreddit and what like how that changed her life in you know the way that we say that about websites that we discover yeah, I mean, I mean, real talk yeah. here. I did not have my dad around growing up. I learned how to shave on YouTube, hundred percent. That was something that was totally. Aww. So I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> when I was first trying to figure it out, cut myself up really bad. Still not all that great at it, but a boy. Uh, <laughs> um, 
totally learned it on YouTube. Electric. Electric. I hate electric. But let's <laughs> Yeah, just grow a beard. Just grow a beard. Just, I don't uh, so No, I don't did. do that to Claire. Uh, <laughs> but let's actually talk about YouTube because the, the person who made this movie, Bo Burnham, he got his start on YouTube. I feel like that offers yeah. a particularly interesting insight here because part of the culture that this movie seems wary to embrace, you know, the fact that YouTube does create kind of this toxic culture for some of these kids in some ways, especially with social media. I know they're separate, but technology as a whole. Bo Burnham. No, but like if you haven't learned that that discretion yet between what's right that you can't look like Kylie Jenner doing her makeup, you know. Um, yeah. That that the makeup tutorial that Kim does is not going to be what your makeup is going to look like, and that that sort of thing. Um, it's interesting that a person like Bo Burnham is the one to make this movie because his career was kind of born out of this all that all of this. Yeah, and also it's done a lot to his brain. Having done that, Bo Burnham before this movie, and I'm not sure now. I haven't watched any interviews with him or anything in a long time, but after his last special on Netflix, you could just tell something happened to him. Uh, he was probably de- very depressed that watched the last, the last song in his special. I think it's make happy is the one that's on Netflix. It's just, it is this weird little, he plays this song at a piano it's not, he's no longer on stage. He's just like in, in a room playing this song and then stands up and walks outside and walks away. It's just this very clear, maybe he'll come back to being on stage. Maybe he'll do more of the comedy thing, but it's just, he seems this very clear of like, I'm done. You know, this, it hasn't, it hasn't brought me joy and I want to go be happy. And this, as you said, this is somebody whose whole career in life kind of was not his whole life, but his the life as we see it was born out of YouTube and it didn't make him happy. Made him rich. Yeah. I mean, well, well, well YouTube, YouTube and, and David, David alluded to it earlier because there's a, there's a, there's a second ad apocalypse of sorts happening right now on YouTube, but YouTube is a toxic, very dramatic playground for the most popular people on YouTube. It, you, there are, whatever your favorite YouTubers are, they are infighting. All the time, it is. Oh yeah, it is a very dramatic place. Aw. <laughs> no, oh, oh it, no, it definitely. I hate to is. think that about some of the a couple of the the guys I watch regularly, you know. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure it does. For some of the bigger ones, absolutely. I think it's more a lot of some of the gaming ones. And yeah. what's what's really crazy about all of it is for. So for people who don't know, Pro Jared is a guy, apparently. I just learned about him recently. Uh, Pro Jared had a huge scandal in the last couple of weeks. And because of what he did, he suffered some actual consequences of losing viewers and stuff like that, which is really rare uh, for for YouTubers and for social media people. And we Yeah, we have created this very weird bubble where people... yeah don't suffer consequences for their actions, which like there's something to be said there of like separation of art from artists. Right. It's a, but, but also so much of their art quote unquote is putting so much of their life on display and what should that separation be? And I've totally gotten off track of this movie. What are we doing? No, but I, I like no, for instance. How weird is it when part of how you make money is in, in making other people feel like they know you. You know, like we watched that in Ingrid Goes West. Yeah, where yeah. 
you know, the, the woman she was obsessed with was a, an Instagram influencer. You know, she didn't do anything. She was only famous for, you know, like the places she ate and the things that she consumed. And she took really nice pictures of them and, you know, made other people feel like they were involved in her life. And that's how she got, you know, millions of followers and got funding from, you know, the companies that she started plugging their products and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, yeah, it's this, it's this whole other space that we're all kind of learning how to navigate oh and And hopefully again that's something that i think we need to teach kids the skills on how to how to navigate it and to to loop it back into the movie it's because (laughs) this is yeah this is what kayla absorbs right she she has this there's the scene in the movie which is set to uh enya's Orinco flow or Irinaco flow, whatever that's Orinoco flow. Orinoco yes. flow, that sail away song, which is just her, you know, watching YouTube, being on Tumblr, being on Instagram. And this is just, this is her nightly routine of just absorbing all of this stuff and processing sure it. Ab- huh? Yeah, I don't know how much she's absorbing, well, but it's it's like well, a space I, that she feels like she needs to be in. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like by absorbing, like it's like she is just she's she's soaking herself in it, and that is then what she takes to then turn around and try to be like. That is, but the, I mean, does that? Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was thinking, is that what helps her feel like she belongs at least somewhat? You know, like in. Here, here in meat space, you know, when she's with actual people who are ignoring her or treating her like she's some weirdo, um, you know, she's she's not getting any sort of affirmation. But like in social media, she can at least, you know, in her own mind as she's going through these things, it's like she's indirectly part of these other people's lives. And yeah. does that help her feel like she belongs? Is that? Does that act as a security blanket isn't quite the right term, but like just a something no, to I staunch get, the I get what the, you're saying. Yeah. Something something I, I, to help prop her up so that she can just go on with her life, you know, to help prop up her self esteem that she's she feels like she's a little part of all these other things and that helps keep her going. I think yes, but then when you turn around and what happens when the phone turns off? Right. The, the loneliness is intensified. It is it is just so much more it's so much louder because you're now not surrounded by all of the noise that is social media. Right. And you can't curate it yourself. Yeah, you can't exactly. pick and choose what you're steeped in when yeah. you're out in the real world. You just have to deal with whatever comes to you. Yeah. So a couple other discussion topics and then we'll wrap down so we don't run too long. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but the, the generational divides, I think, are getting smaller and smaller. And we have a scene in this movie where uh, Aiden's buddy, the one that that is not that does not go home and take part in this creepy car scene. But you mean what Aiden's buddy? Aiden, what, Riley's, Riley's buddy. Sorry, I confu- I'm already confusing yeah. the two. Um, uh-huh. So Riley's buddy, uh, you know, really gets on Kayla for being, even though she's four years removed from them, 
he gets on her for really just being like of a total different generation of them because oh my god she had snapchat in fifth grade and and that was so much different than the way they grew up even four years prior and i think that the acceleration of those that made me laugh but here's the thing (laughs) i get it i get it because i you know i should not feel you know, I was, what What age did you graduate high school? Like 18. Okay. So I graduated high school <laughs> yeah. not that long ago, comparatively, right? And when I hear about high schoolers that are in my fiance's classroom, and I hear about the games they play and the stuff they're into, I feel old. And, I am not, and I'm not <laughs> that much older than them. You know? I'm, no. But I'm six, but I'm, I'm six years and change older than some of these kids. And... I feel you're 25% older, you know, or 30% older, depending right. yeah. on which, well, that's, which that, that's a good way to look at it. it. But, but I yeah, do feel in yeah, Fortnite, I don't get it. I just don't. It's like a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole different generation of me. That's happened to both Nicole and myself. <laughs> that has definitely happened. Like, you, yeah, there is like a, a point, you know, after you graduate high school where you're still 18 and like you can, but then like, Two years later, when you've been off in college and you go back and you get around an 18 year old, you know, a high schooler, you're like, oh no. Yeah. And it's, this isn't what I <laughs> want. I like this. Oh, and I guess yes, what's exactly. crazy is it's like, even, you know, I was so in tune to video. I think a video games is a perfect example for me because I can't speak as much to social media because even nowadays, I don't really care that much about social media. I didn't when I was in school. I just got Twitter Good, in college. Stay out if you can. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I just got Twitter in college, and it was more out of necessity than it was uh, desire. But I'll look at kids playing something like Fortnite or PUBG or something like that, and I'll step into those for like five minutes and just get my ass handed to me, and they'll yell at me and be mean to me, and all <laughs> I want to do is leave. And well, when right, I was just get six, it, get good, right? G I T G U D, get good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if I was seven years younger, oh my god, would I be all over that? Okay, for context here, and David, this might make I'm on a whole tangent now, guys. I yeah, felt I a thousand. Complaining about being. Old. I felt a thousand years old yesterday when they announced they are rebooting Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> this hit like an existential level to me because I grew up playing that game and now it's old enough to be rebooted. I realize I'm now experiencing I mean, something that's... that everyone has experienced, but I'm at that point. Right. How old no, do you that's think that... not much though. They're starting to do reboots sooner and sooner <laughs> after true. the original but also, material. But also, yeah. Brett, how old do you think that game is? Spoiler alert. Shit. Yeah. Oh, I must have been like a it's freshman. 12, and... It's 12 years okay, old. Okay, sounds like a... I was like, yeah, oh man. All right. Um... <laughs> But I feel it, and I do feel like that because of things like that, because culture seems to change quicker than it ever has, those gaps in generations, or at least perceived gaps, become much smaller. But hold on, I gotta... I just gotta say real quick, uh, (laughs) when it comes to Call of Duty and Modern... The reason they're doing that is because Call of Duty has been in a weird freefall for (laughs) a very long time, and then Modern Warfare came out, and it was like, oh, wait, ah, suddenly it's good, people know what they're doing, and then it went back into freefall, and now they're like, ah, crap, we need to make it right again. (laughs) Just put out another Modern Warfare, uh, and the cycle will continue. My kids will play Modern Warfare Reboot 3 or (laughs) 4. There you go. I think, Brett, what you're talking about is like, it's a thing that you feel, especially at the age that you're at and like around that time where it's like, 
ah, young, I'm young, but I don't, I, I don't understand the young kids. <laughs> What's happening? I don't think the generational divides are getting necessarily any smaller. It's just you're, my friend, getting older. Oh, man, this is <laughs> it's just turning into a whole armchair thing where I'm just not ready for this conversation. Um, oh, you're not. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> no. Wait till you hit 30, my friend. For context, my work is to do, uh, you know, to promote concerts and stuff. And I now have to Google like a good third of the artists. I don't know who Lizzo oh, yeah. is, but apparently everyone loves her. Oh. God, sh- shut up! Oh <laughs> this is God, this is painstaking to Nicole, and yeah. And David's going on and on about how old he is by comparison, oh, no, and I'm no, like, no, no, I could no, literally not, be David's mother. I'm not know? saying old by comparison. I'm just saying, like, Brett, if you're feeling that now, like, you're gonna get to 30 and then be like, ah, what happened? One day they're gonna change. <sighs> when you were, if with I it. could have 30 back, oh my God. right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm first saying. I re- wasted so much time. <laughs> first, they're rebooting Modern Warfare, and then you're signing up for your AARP card, and you just don't know where the time went. All righty. Oh, if I could go back and be a YouTuber, I would totally do that. You know, if I had known. Oh, oh I've thought about the money I would invest in, <laughs> like, in Minecraft early on, oh, if I had the chance. I might do it. I'd be like, you know, mom games badly. That'd be funny. My That'd channel. be funny. Yeah, might you could still do that. Twitch. <laughs> mom is shit at games. That'll be my whole Twitch.tv slash mom is shit at games. Uh, so our last discussion topic <laughs> that I do want to briefly mention here. There's absolutely no reason this movie should be rated R, right? Eh, they say it's the, the swearing. But, oh, so it's the swearing and the dildo and the acting like totally normal. 13-year-olds and talking like totally normal 13-year-olds. I swore like a I swore like sailor a sailor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I said the F word so I was so, so much. bad. And, yeah, uh, I didn't know half of what I was saying, but by God, I said it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I said some things. So the funny thing here, though, is that so I remember. And I mean, it's keeping kids who should see it from right, seeing right. This so that movie. was my first yeah. thing is that when I was preparing for our show, I went online and there were so many like discussion topic documents of high school classes that you know they have to get a permission slip to see this movie if they're under eighteen because they're underage and they're in public school, but they shouldn't need that. This is about them, and that's what really blows my mind because I remember when I yeah. was young, and it was always like. Oh, Brett can see the Terminator when he's 12 because old R's aren't very bad. And then there was a period where, and I guess there still is a period where R's are really bad. And then you have like R's like this where where I'm just wondering, what is the MPAA thinking? Uh, First of all, nothing because the MPAA sucks. But (laughs) the distributors did arrange free unrated screenings around the U.S. So they they did do something to try and make it available to people. Yeah, it was like A24, right? Interesting. They put this yeah. out, I think. But yeah, I mean, that's just, it drives me crazy. It drives, we could we could go for hours and hours about the MPAA and how nuts they are. And that, you know, I saw Brightburn a couple weeks ago, and that's rated R. And by God, do they really they just milk wait it. for, yeah, yeah, they milked it for everything they could get out of it in terms of gore and violence. So it's, and this is, they say the F word like seven times and you see a very unrealistic dildo on screen and some sexually explicit words and that's about it. 
there's no nudity, there's no violence, there's no people actually performing sexual acts. You just, you hear them talk about it, but you never actually see anything happen yeah. between and, anybody. And I, I would guarantee you that scene in the car has something to do with it as well, because MPAA, which is not supposed to have parents on it, has parents on it. And they yeah. probably saw that scene like, I don't want my kids seeing that. Well, but she stands up for herself and she it says matter. no. And it's still creepy. Uh, still, still. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it bothers no, me. It's incredibly creepy. She's she's got the self respect and the strength to say no. She is. This character is so much braver than mm-hmm. I was at her yeah, age. Yeah, you know, I never would have gotten the guts up to talk to people I didn't know at a party. I never would have had the courage to talk to my crush like at all. I wouldn't have had the courage to like get near him. Never mind, you know, strike up a conversation and pretend I had nudes on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) But wouldn't you very artlessly and she has to say it like twelve times before he notices. Wouldn't you have wanted to then see a movie like this though, you know? At that age? Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have been oh, ooh, whoa, somebody told him all the secrets. What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I who let this guy into the school to shoot? Yeah, yeah this this was a, a problem for me when I noticed it was R. I thought that was absurd. Um, whole other discussion for another day, I suppose. As we wrap down, I think it's also important to mention that she comes out okay on the other side of this, or it seems like she's going to. She ends up yeah befriending. Yeah. She's optimistic. She ends up befriending yeah. uh, Greg, Tony, Phil. What's his name? Gabe. Gabe. Okay. Uh, and Geeky Kid, Kennedy's cousin from her party. And what? Yeah, they talk about Rick and Morty, and I checked out immediately. No. Uh, th- but they have kind of a date. Is it not you know, the sweetest scene you've ever seen? Then he lays out, he makes all these chicken nuggets for her in the microwave, and he lays out like 10 different I, disposable no, I think he gets packets. them from McDonald's. Okay, I guess maybe he does. He says something about how he got the twenty piece. Okay, maybe he does. Even even <laughs> better, divided. even better, because he then he takes it out and yeah. plates it, and he puts like yes. fifteen of these disposable packets of different sauces because he, he doesn't know of every sauce. He doesn't know what she likes. Two of every sauce, and it was just <sighs> well, so yeah, one cute. I can't. Yeah, and he's like, and if you if you like to have more than one packet with your nuggets, that's okay because I like all the sauces equally. Right, it's, <laughs> it's so cute. And then when she finally goes to remake, and we never really talked. There's a lot to unpack here. Surprisingly, we never really un- we never really <laughs> talked about you know her burning her her time capsule of what she thought she'd be at the beginning of of middle school, but she then kind of creates a new one of what she'll be at the end of high school, and at this time. I think it's probably more along right. the lines. It's no longer like, hey, what's your boyfriend? What's his name? Now it's, hey, do you have a boyfriend? If you don't, that's okay. But if you do, make sure he's being good to you because you deserve it, right? Like she's learned what to expect mm-hmm. of your future self and there's growth there. And she puts the little packets of the sauce inside of it. And I just couldn't take it. <laughs> it was so sweet, guys. Very cute. <laughs> My fiance cried at this movie. It's very cute. I'm gonna throw under the bus there. She that definitely got her at the end too. I thought she might. <laughs> oh, this got her good, especially. I she might. It was especially as a teacher of freshman students, which are you know not far removed from her at all, only by two months really in age. Um, <laughs> oh, this resonated on a on a deep level for my fiance. Um, so yeah, and I mean that that whole scene where she goes to her dad, she's like, "Can we burn some stuff in the backyard?" He's like, "Okay," and he, she brings out the box, and he's like, "What is that?" And she's like. Oh, kind of all my hopes and dreams. And he's like, and we're burning them. 
And I yeah. hope this is a good thing. Yeah. I oh, God, I love that scene. Great scene. So it's, it's the best scene in the movie, I think. It is. Though, I don't know, my pale in comparison to the band rehearsal. That was pretty great. I just, I wanted to bring that up because <laughs> Very realistic. it was so band kid. It was so middle school slash high school band kid. And I, I know you have band kid students, uh, band kid kids, but early band, band kid, kid, you probably experienced that, right? Like when they still didn't really know how to play their instruments. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I from beginning, just learning the instrument oh, yeah. to being able to play beautifully. You know, it's... Uh, and bless her, yeah. she's on the cymbal. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah. is this uh, a movie that I think David and I enjoyed leaving this as someone who had never seen it before? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm thrilled to have watched it. I loved it. It brought a ton to talk about. David, what about you? Yeah, it's a great movie. I, I don't have anything else to say. It's a great movie. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, okay, so it's it's worth the, the say that. stuff that it might dredge up. And say that. No, I think <laughs> I think that I think that it probably would be for most people. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I think I and please email us uh, hi at mgrpodcast.com if you have thoughts on this movie or how it relates to experiences you had growing up. What you think about if you're a parent or if you're a younger listener, like let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But let's go around the table. And see where we can find everybody online. Nicole, what about you? I have updated my letterbox. It is Nicole underscore Davis. I have, uh, I'm on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. And that's pretty much all the social media I've been doing lately. Very good. What about you, David? Uh, people can find me around the internet under the username Dav Luz. That is D-A-V-O-U-Z. So Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on the Brokebot Mountain Podcast. Very, very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. That's where you're going to find everything I do. Brett with two T's and Stewart S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Next week we are watching what is it? America Tale or American Tale? An American tale. An American tale. And I will say one more time, I'm going to repeat this at the end of every episode. Go rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or Podchaser. That's a new one that people seem to like. It's hip with the kids. And, uh, oh, I guess it's got to be Apple Podcasts now. There's going to be no uh, more iTunes. Yeah, by time. Okay. So Apple Podcasts. I was on there the other day. I saw (laughs) someone on 521. So that was a little while ago. I'm, late to the party but we have a new one so keep posting those i want to hear from people on that uh and i'll do it for myself david and nicole we'll see you next week with an american tale <laughs>